Hi, I'm Patricia Quinn, Magenta from the Rocky Horror Picture Show, and check out Gruesome Herzog and John Gilling. Woo! Hello everyone, John Gillin with uh, Gruesome Herzog, my famous co-host. Tonight we have a talented actor, director, producer, Amy Heskis. Amy, how are you? Hi, I'm, I'm great, guys. How are you? Oh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thank you. I, this is great. Love to yeah, be here. Cool. Right, um, if we start with your first film from 2010... Uh, you as the writer, director, producer. Yeah, it's called Sirwinyaku. <laughs> Sirwinyaku. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to attempt it in case you was offended that uh, you know. I was <laughs> no, that's fine. Was, it's it's a little bit uh, phonetic how it's you know it's if okay, you speak so Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I hardly speak English. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so right. Um, yeah. Do you want to tell us a little bit? Oh, before we go into that, before we go into that, sorry. Um, do you want to t- give us some background on to how you got into films, producing, acting, directing? Sure. Yeah. Um, 
Let's see. In 2006, uh, I, I had done like a, a little bit of um, work in films. I, I studied mostly art, fine arts, uh, painting, art history, mathematics, things like that in college. And uh, I'd been doing that for a while. And then I, I was really trying to move more into film because it was a huge passion of mine <laughs> watching films and making home movies when I was a kid. And so I felt like it was a better medium for me because I, I kind of approach it like an artist rather than necessarily like, um, you know, a, a filmmaker sometimes. And uh, I had done a, a little bit, you know, I've, I'd done uh, some uh, production assistant work on films and things like that. And uh, a friend of mine invited me down to Bolivia uh, to just hang out, you know, travel around and travel around South America. And so said, hey, you know, why not? That was 2006. And I, while we were traveling around uh, here in La Paz, we went into a bar and there was a flyer, you know, just a casting for people who speak English. And so, you know, we both uh, spoke English. And so <laughs> we went to the casting and, uh, you know, just to have something fun to do. I mean, we're on vacation, so it was great. And uh, we we're both cast in this uh, documentary for National Geographic called Outbreak, uh, Curse of the Black Typhus. And it's about the hemorrhagic fever in, mm. in Bolivia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and so uh, Jack Avila, who is now my co-conspirator and business partner, um, he was producing the thing here. And... Uh, so, you know, I, I got to know him during the shoot and everything when we're shooting. We're shooting in the Orient, and it's it's basically, it's the, you know, rainforest. And there are huge bugs and everything. It was really great being out there. And uh, I got, to, yes, actually it was, I mean, there are huge things that look like cockroaches, but they're like the size of my hand. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a bit creepy, but at the same time surreal. Um, and, and so I, I got to talking to, to Jack Avila and, uh, you know, I really, I liked what he was saying and everything. And, and then, uh, a few weeks after the, the shoot wrapped, uh, he coincidentally had a film called, uh, Martyr or the Death of Santalalia, um, in a festival in Oruro, which is this other, uh, small city, uh, in Bolivia. And so my friend and I went to that and I saw the film in this amazing uh, Art Deco theater on a real silver screen, oh, wow. you know, like a it's made of, it's coated with silver, and there aren't very many that exist like that. Uh-uh, no. And it was it was pretty amazing, but it was you know uh, projection in digital, and it looked really great. And I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away by this film for many reasons. One of them being that it's a you know very controversial film. There's nudity, um, but the story is what really drew me in that it's a difficult story to tell as it was a very personal kind of film and yet you know it made a huge impact on a lot of the audience and the the other part was that it's it this film was made i mean and he's told us in the q a afterwards that it was made for very very little money i mean it's a micro budget film and shot on digital and it's i you know in every every frame looks like a painting it's like caravaggio you know and right and uh, I, so, you know, in talking to him afterwards, um, I, you know, talked about the possibility of maybe working with him as an actor or, you know, just in the crew or whatever, if he had anything going on. And he said, sure, yeah, actually, you know, I'm planning to do this vampire film. Uh, and, 
so are you going to be around? <laughs> and I, ha- I actually had plans to go to, to uh, Santiago, Chile. And so I just didn't go. I stayed in Bolivia, and now I've been here for eight years. And uh, I came up with a script that I'd been working on for like a really long time, and I was like, hey, read my script. Why don't you produce this? And he said, sure. And then I also cast him in it. And that was my first film, Serenyaku, uh, that I directed and produced. And thereafter, I, I realized that, wow, I mean, I can actually do that here. I can live the dream. I don't have to have another job. I can, you know, it's pretty cheap down here. And I can do whatever I want. <laughs> I think everyone's dream, right? So That's interesting, yeah. That's a cool yeah, very story. long story. <laughs> no, yeah, that's cool. The rainforest is just, I guess from watching too many of these movies, I guess it creeps me out even thinking about going in the rainforest. You have, you know, the pythons, you have anacondas. No, thank you. Is it beautiful down there? Oh, it is. Is it? It's incredible. And it's a pretty small country with a, like a relatively small population. It's under uh, 10 million. And the thing is that, like, you can, I mean, I live in La Paz. It's a pretty big city, but it has colonial parts, and, like, you can go just an hour outside of the city, and it looks like the surface of Mars, only cooler. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it's in the, or, or the moon or something, and uh, I can be in three hours. I can be in the cloud forest with flowers all around and toucans, and you go in any direction whatsoever, and within a couple of hours, you're seeing something incredibly beautiful it basically blows my mind every day that i'm here wow so you've been down there since 2006 yeah seven years now huh so you don't miss home oh actually it was 2005 okay gosh oh my god yeah 2005 sorry that was wow yeah so yeah eight years i i kind of i don't know i don't know where home is really i'm from rural maine and i have a house there but i haven't been really like i haven't lived there since i was 18 so it's been a while, you know. And wow. I lived in France for a while. I haven't actually been living in the country for probably a long time. You know, it's, it's you get used to not being there. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Very interesting life you have. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I'm grateful for it every day. So the film that we talked about has it showed anywhere over there? Like film fest? Is there film festivals over there or no? Uh, there are some film festivals. Uh, there's the Fenavid, which is growing. Uh, there's a film festival in Santa Cruz, also that uh, I think it's an international festival. Um, there's the uh, let's see, um, DLBT festival, which I was a juror for, which is very cool in here in La Paz. Um, but I I showed that at a festival in New York called Cine Kink. Okay. And it was very well received there. Okay, now, now, the actors that you find, they're actually from that country, correct? There isn't no outside casting call. It's just basically all inside, all, all in where you're at, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, in Serenyaku, we have um, Jack, who, he's Bolivian, but he, he's kind of a, he's more of a New Yorker because he lived in New York for 35 years, so, okay, okay. so it's yeah. kind of... Yeah, he's <laughs> so he speaks English and everything. Um, and Veronica is actually half Bolivian, half French, and she lives in France. So I had to, you know, get her to come over to work with me. Oh wow, that's, that's, and, that is interesting. Yeah, and I mean, there there are lots of actors who I work with here, and then there's another actor, um, Eric Antoine, and he's he's a New Yorker, but he lives here because he's half Bolivian. 
and there there's just like a lot of people who are kind of between nationalities who live here um and a lot of people speak English as well as Spanish, so it's, it's pretty cool. And that's a you. You are a very interesting person to talk to. It's been a long while since I had a guest that's very interesting. Oh. Very interesting. Gosh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about Bluebeard. Uh, in 2012, it's Babazu. Is that how it's pronounced? Barbazul. Barbazul. Okay. Yeah. Now, now, uh, explain to the listeners about this. Obviously, it's about Bluebeard. But explain to the listeners on how this came about. Okay. Um, I, as a child, I was like really, um, I didn't read a lot of traditional children's stories. I don't know. I mean, my parents were a little, they were, you know, my father and my mother, they're, my mother's kind of, well, she's still alive, but, um, bohemian and uh, kind of eccentric. And so they gave me all kinds of books as a kid that are maybe not, I mean, Bluebeard is not really a children's story, in my no. opinion, but they stick it in with like other, you know, stories. But generally, it isn't necessarily given to children. Um, but I got a whole lot of those in like Greek myths, um, <laughs> tragedies, <laughs> things Jeez. like that. I, th- I believe that it influenced me in some respects. And so, since that time, I've just been really obsessed with the the story of Bluebeard. I thought, you know, my goodness, is it a children's story? What what is the hidden me- message? in this story exactly like what is it trying to say uh to you know young people i I don't know and i I think that it's more of a something more interesting for adults and so i made a story for yeah for adults because it's really just about um you know obsession and control and and i yeah exactly (laughs) and i i love playing with that because in in the the original story you don't really know i mean he's just you know a, a villain he kills his wives, and that's it. And so I figured, well, I mean, there must be something beyond that. He's a psychopath. He's a serial killer. And so why don't I explore that a little bit, like, into uh, his uh, madness and motivation. And um, and I wanted, to, I really wanted to play with something. In Spanish, it's called La Mirada. It's like perspective, um, but it, it's, a, like, a little bit more romantic when you say it in Spanish. Um, so it's like uh, I play around a lot with was looking through Bluebeard's eyes and then looking through the eyes of his, uh, you know, youngest um, wife, his youngest girlfriend. And, you know, which, and it's it's a little interesting, like, you kind of have to pay attention, like, when that changes in the film. And so I, I had a lot of fun making that film. <laughs> now, is it available anywhere? Yes, absolutely. Um, my first film and Barbazul and like a lot of our other films are available on our website, vermeerworks.com, like the painter Vermeer, mm-hmm. uh, Vermeerworks, and uh, and on Amazon. Uh, available as DVDs and downloads. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check out Bluebeard. It looks, I mean, both of them, it looks very interesting. Cool, yeah. It yeah. is. I, I, I just showed it at the Polygrind Film Festival in Las Vegas. Oh, cool. And uh, the reception was really nice. It was it was a great festival, and uh, I recommend for people to submit to it because it's very cool. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> it's um, Las Vegas is always a, a trip and a half. So well, I am very <laughs> very intrigued because this this next film looks interesting as well. Uh, it's a fantasy horror, but I'm not even going to try to pronounce it. You know what I'm talking about? Lemarcus. I mentioned it earlier. Yep. Uh, Give the listeners an idea about this film and, uh, you know, what it's about and if it played anywhere and so forth. 
Right. Okay. Um, uh, Le Marquis de la Croix. Uh, it actually of uh, all of my films, I've actually like most of our films we we um, put out in like mainstream cinemas here. I mean, like you know, cinema plexes and stuff. And they have premieres, and they they show for like two to however many weeks. Serenyako actually played in the Cinemateca here for five months. Wow, it was amazing because uh, people just kept wanting to go to it, so that was great. Great. And uh, but La Marquina La Croix, I actually, what happened is that we were shooting this movie Malficarum, which I produced and I acted in. And I'm sure you're going to get to that one because <laughs> it's <laughs> possibly the most notorious. So. Uh, we had this set after we were done shooting Maleficarum and we had all these props and everything and I figured okay I have a bunch more props and I have like a, a whole other you know house full of stuff to decorate this set with and we have two weeks left on the lease and I had this you know just like kind of you know a, a short script um, you know more action than anything else uh, going on and I figured well why the hell not I mean, I have a dungeon, I have, like, all this stuff, so, and I have some costumes, so, hey, everybody, why don't we just shoot this <laughs> film, <laughs> kind of Roger Corman style, you know, like, hey, well, you know, we can get a, squeeze a little bit more out of this, right? you know, orange, and uh, and we did, so uh, I made Le Marquis de la Croix, and it's it's a really, it's Marquis de Sade, basically, it's about Le Marquis de Sade. And um, it's I wanted to really bring one of his not not necessarily one of his stories faithfully to life. I wanted to bring you know the a lot of the sentiment behind that to life, the the suffering of the victim and the dynamic between the the uh, you know the torturer and the victim. And it's it's really interesting. And I've gotten it hasn't it didn't play anywhere. I didn't send it to any festivals. I just kind of put it out there. But the thing is that it's actually like a lot of people found it and really liked it, wow. which is kind of incredible. I didn't because I made it for like very very little budget, and so I was kind of surprised. And I've gotten some really great reviews. Like uh, this one review in the Beverly Hills Outlook uh, called it a masterclass in direction, which I was like, oh my god, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> you know, that's so nice. Like, let's meet for coffee. You know, um, talk more about how nice that is. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that was it. Was really fantastic, um, and uh, I mean, a lot came out of very little. So that was great. Well, there, there's comments being made. I seen a question was, "Is she the next Alfred Hitchcock?" And then oh it, yeah, oh, and that, it, I was so happy with that. And then it went no better. So I was like, "Wow, Amy, way to go, girl!" <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I was. That was uh, yeah. That totally blew my mind. Um, that came from uh, C. Dean Anderson. He's a horror writer, um, and we're friends. And like, uh, I've read all of his books and everything. And like, he's really great, uh, really, really fantastic writer. And we exchange like a lot of ideas. It's, it's really cool. And obviously, he really likes my films. <laughs> so awesome. I, I thought that was fantastic. Yeah, as you said, uh, Malfi Carum, twenty eleven. Uh, tell us a bit about. Your uh, notorious Malfi Carum. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That that film. Uh, basically, it was kind of we were thinking about making you know something after Sirenyako, and we didn't quite know what to do. And Jack had this idea for a long time of making an Inquisition film. Like a, you know, it's kind of kind of a subgenre 
of, you know, horror films, you know, and especially they're more from the 70s, like Mark of the Devil or, you know, I think um, Baron Blood, you know, things like that. And uh, so, and he was like, oh, you know, like, let's, let's make a film that's, you know, blows all of those out of the water. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Okay, let's do that. Like, let's, let's make the most intense, crazy Inquisition film ever made. Let's top it all. And I think we went way overboard. <laughs> I think we just, we, we threw ourselves off of the cliff and just plunged headlong into that. Um, and uh, we got this push from uh, this uh, um, guy, Ralphus, who, who gave us some, like, start, you know, kind of seed money for that, and it was really great. And um, so we did it. And basically, we, f- we looked around. It was very serendipitous how this all came together. We, we looked around. We did this some casting, um, and it all, it all just came together. All these people wanted to work with us, and uh, the city just kind of said, Oh, sure. Oh, you want to shoot in a museum? Okay. Yeah, that's wow. fine. You know, and, and uh, you, oh, you want to close down this street for like a little bit? And uh, Yeah, okay. No problem. You know, okay, good. And we don't have to pay for anything. No, 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 no. It's fine. It's on us. And uh, and then <laughs> uh, we we looked around. Uh, we went, you know, down a few streets, and we uh, looked around for a dungeon, right? Because this was the key. Because most of this film takes place inside of this uh, dungeon. Uh, and we we I don't know. We're in this uh, patio where they sell jewelry or something in this like kind of touristy, you know, street like in the colonial part of La Paz. And we go and we just ask like, hey, is there anything for rent around here? And, uh, you know, they were like, oh, yeah, this basement. But it's kind of damp. You know, it's a little bit, you know, it's not entirely ventilated. It was a club before, so it probably, like, smells like cigarettes or something. And we go in, and it was absolutely perfect. Um, and it was very cheap. <laughs> so we, uh, we rented it, and I thought that it would be maybe a month, you know. And so we rented it for a month. And then we had to rent it for another month because Jack, Jack has a really... I mean, he has so much more experience, you know, with making films than I do. So sometimes I'm just like, you know, I stand back and I'm like, okay, fine, we'll go with your your process. But sometimes his process can be a little bit um, going with the flow <laughs> and and adding things along the way. And like, oh, hey, um, yeah, I forgot. I, I wrote, you know, 20 more pages of script last night. Uh, so here you go. And there, there are all these other scenes now. And, you know, so it was six weeks of torch being tortured in a dungeon. <laughs> and, uh, it, so basically, like I think I and all of the other actors and uh, the crew really wanted to get out of that dungeon by the end of it. I mean, we really felt like we were actually being held in the dungeon because we were working all day every day there. And uh, it, I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's a torture film. Um, you already answered earlier. Looking at your body of work, would you consider the work that you that you do, and I think you've already answered this anyway, but I wanted to ask <laughs> my main question, would you consider the work that you do more in the line of art than just making a film? Yes, because we, the thing is that we don't make films, I mean a lot of people will, will defer to, to a script writer or maybe they'll write a script and it's, it's something that, um, you know, it's, it's more commercial. They make this film that they think that a lot of people are going to like, and they kind of engineer it like that. 
and you know or it's it's kind of like an ode to you know classic horror films or something like that and and there's nothing wrong with that i there i love there are so many films like that that i absolutely love um but like my approach is not like that i wouldn't know how to do that um it's more like i'll make a film if there's something in it that i see that i connect with uh like like in in Malficarum or something, I'll see you know okay this woman she goes through this horrible suffering you know and and for this love that she has for this other woman and and you know it's something that I feel is is beautiful you know and in a way and so I want to portray that and you know it's I, I feel like you know I'll I'll use my my body as an instrument you know as part of this medium and I approach filmmaking as more of a, a an artistic medium than anything else. I want every frame, you know, of every shot of my films to be very, you know, just like paintings, essentially. Um, So I guess, yeah, it's because it's more of a, it's more of a personal connection. It's, it's a translation of self. Wow. uh, Which is what all art is. That's amazing. Right. Um, Right, so I'm going to get on to asking... Uh, hopefully the right questions okay. <coughs> in some of your films you seem to play either desperate characters or characters that end up in a desperate situation are those the type of characters in your films that you're attracted to um uh, so far yes I mean I would do a comedy or something like that because right. I you know, I think I have like at least a, a modicum of humor <laughs> inside. <laughs> um, but uh, so far, yes, because I don't know. I, I think that everyone has this darkness inside of them. Um, that I, the I don't know. It, it's funny. When I was a kid, I was never afraid of things that you know go bump in the night necessarily. I, I was afraid of real life of you know pain and suffering and death and and i think that everyone is afraid of that especially as we get older and it's that kind of fear <laughs> that that I'm, I'm really attracted to that like and it helps me personally uh to to work through that i i feel like fear is is one of the most powerful emotions other than love um and it so it's you know, it gives me some sort of catharsis going through that. Uh, but it's also that, gosh, how do I explain that? <laughs> um, I mean, other than that, it's, I'm just attracted to it in kind of a, a perverted way, I guess. <laughs> you know, because it's, it's like kind of, you know, exciting and, and, no, horrible. And I mean, I love horror films. I love things that are just difficult, really difficult to look at. And it, it just, it's exciting. Um, I can understand it's a difficult question to answer because it was a difficult question. I wanted to make sure that it come out partly articulate anyway. The, the stories that you tell, is it important to tell it from that character's perspective or as a comment on that maybe the times or... The, the situation that everybody at that time is in. If you can understand that question. 
Uh, yes. Um, I think all of our films have a certain message. Uh, not necessarily a message, like, uh, you know, an, a definitive message. But it's there's always some social commentary. Um, I make a very subtle social commentary in Serenyaku, for exa- example. Um, also in Bluebeard. It is definitely a commentary on um, the perspective, uh, male-female perspective. Um, uh, Malafi Karma is definitely a commentary on uh, the how horrible the Inquisition was. I mean, one of, one of the things that we wanted to do with that film was to show uh, how horrible it was. I mean, this is, it's for some people, an unbearable film to watch. They can't watch it. It's It goes on and on. And uh, that's on purpose. I mean, the Inquisition was a horrible, horrible thing that happened. And, I, I mean, in some way, we showed some small, very small part of the horrors that were justified um, at that time by the church. Um, I think mm-hmm. that there's definitely an anti-church message in that film uh, brought across by Jack. He He's more... His films are more Baroque, um, and he comes from a more uh, Catholic influence. So uh, that's definitely there. Um, all our films have something of that. It's it's always a commentary on on relationships, um, on a lot of different things. Right. Um, well, from the little that I know about the Spanish Inquisition, one was that it lasted nearly a hundred years, and two, I believe that the Pope tried to stop it, and even he didn't have the power to stop what was happening I could be wrong on that but the, the, right, the other go if we go to Malfi Karam and I, I know that you, you've spoken about this but the question that I wanted to ask is when you go through the ordeal of portraying the torture uh, you live it to you know uh, an, ext- an extreme within limits what I wanted to ask if it's not a stupid <laughs> question is, is that for you as an actor to 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 take the experience as far as you can for, for maybe for you to learn and maybe to portray more to the audience of what you as the character was going was going through if that makes no sense that's fine and we go into another film <laughs> I uh, know th- this does make sense um, to me. Yes, I mean, I I like to bring as much um, realism as possible to uh, my role because I think that in a way it it does it brings something uh, more to the role than I could um, if it were just you know cutaways or or you know everything fake. Um, I mean, I, I there are definitely limits. I mean, I, <laughs> I won't do anything that, like, I feel like there's a really, really good chance that I will be uh, permanently harmed <laughs> or yeah, killed. Oh. That's really, you know, not... Um, <laughs> Definitely not killed <laughs> yes. at the end of the film. <laughs> right, yeah, because then, Sorry. you know, I wouldn't be able to do more films. So, um, but I'll, I'll go to pretty extreme um, ends in order to see that the, the, the role is absolutely the best most powerful thing that a person could see um and it's not just the physical part um it's it's really the emotional part especially in malafi karam i my character uh, i mean i'm a method actress so i really get into the character and i cried 
so much in that film that I mean I you know somehow my brain thought that I was very very upset I mean I I couldn't get out of it I mean I really felt like I was being tortured for six weeks in a dungeon I was actually pretty depressed Wow. <laughs> um, so a, I mean, it's like I'll sorry. do that and I'll do it for the role you know but it's 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 not that is in a way harder than all of the things that I did physically like being strapped to a, a barbecue and roasted over some coals or you know it, it has a more of a lasting impact yeah that that, that was a oh, sorry that I interrupted that was a question that I wanted to follow up with after you filmed those moments it would be it would be hard for anybody and I'm not an actor but I would presume even for an actor to just down that and then go away and switch on a television and you're totally ob- oblivious to it because you've lived you've lived that moment as close as you, as you can to a person that was really in those circumstances yeah do you understand what I mean yes it it's really yeah I mean I couldn't just turn on a switch and and laugh afterwards I mean and believe me I tried <laughs> But um, no, for for that time, I was actually really just not feeling good, um, you know. And I kept doing it because I wanted to finish the film, and and it was really important to me. Um, uh, you know, I'd go home and I'd kind of like hug my cat and have a hot chocolate mm. and you know try mm. to watch something on you know a movie or read, you know. And but it's you know <laughs> there's not there's no way to just snap out of it. And it took me a long time. Like, uh, I didn't want to do another role like that for over a year. I I had, like, a horrible... I was, you know, Jack said to me, Oh, hey, Debbie Dreaming, you know, and we have this great role for you in which you, you know, cough. You have to suffer a lot. (laughs) You know, and, and I just kept kind of, like, pushing that date until I felt like, you know... Malficarm had been enough in my memory that you know mm. I wasn't incredibly traumatized by it anymore. Mm. And the, the other question I wanted to ask, and I hope you understand the way that I'm asking this because I, I just mean it as talking to, like you said, as a person that considers it an art, and so you you would be an artist. Does the satisfaction of uh, making the film in that role as would that make you more fulfilled rather than like you said you could have done those scenes and cut away? Can you understand what I mean? It, you would look yes. back and, and be satisfied that you put your all into it. They're good questions, John. But yeah, I'm, this I'm just is... trying to. I'm just trying to, to to figure out. This is why I was saying, um, saying to you before, Scott, that I really thought that Amy would make a a, a good guess because it's not just oh, I got offered this role in this rom com, and I'm. Pl- do you, do you, can you understand what I mean? I Scott? mean, you know, she's yeah. A, yeah, she does it for the art part of it and, and, uh, and I'll I'm, just, I'm not asking any no. stupid questions no I'm fascinated <laughs> I'm fascinated by her work and I'm fascinated by the questions so I'm just sitting uh, back and listening Did yeah I, I um, yeah, yeah so so the, the answer would be that uh, yes I mean definitely I it's it's really giving you know 100% of myself maybe even 500% that makes me satisfied at the end of the day and you know whether it's it's as an actor or even, you know, as a director or producer, I tend to just go completely over the edge, you know, because that's who I am. I, I, I wouldn't find fulfillment in it otherwise. I really mm. wouldn't. Mm. So at some stage in the future, 
and I'm sure I heard you say in an interview that you don't really like hypothetical questions, but <laughs> could you see there ever being a stage where, as you become more well-known and backers coming with more money, um, that would you be able to handle the situation of, and it, once again it's hypothetical, that going more mainstream and still keeping, uh, you know, the, art, the artistic integrity going side by side? Um, yeah, I think that that's possible. I mean, if somebody were to, to give me a bunch of money and say, hey, you know, make this film, um, I mean, it would have to be, you know, if, if it were not my script or something like that, it would have to be something that I really care about, um, that I feel that I could give myself to. Uh, and I, I believe that that's possible. It's it's right now. I'm in a very unique situation because we're kind of self-sustaining right now. We don't we don't make we make micro-budget films, and we get them out there, and um, you know people uh, love them, they buy them, um, and that gives us more income to keep making these micro-budget films. And it's it, you know it's a wonderful little bubble we have, <laughs> and uh, but we don't have to answer to anyone. Do you see what I mean? We don't have some producer yeah, yeah, looming over that. us and yeah. saying, no, you have to change this. You have to completely re-edit this film. You have to do this or that or the other thing. Because that's, you know, it starts getting like, okay, well, you know, that's not maybe not part of my vision or something like that. Um, we haven't had to face that yet. Uh, I think that it could happen. Uh, if, if we were to find people who wanted to be involved in that in in a way that they are part of the vision it's like everyone that's in our crew we, we're constantly gathering more crew members you know and more permanent kind of like you know team members and it's funny because each one is really just attracted to what we're doing and they really uh, the more they get involved the more they really believe in it I mean they truly do it's like you know, a, a little bit culty, <laughs> in a sense. I mean, in the best way possible. You know, but um, because they they all really believe in the vision of like what we're doing and like why we do it. And uh, so I I think that if it were to happen, it would have to be kind of like that. Mm. Um, because otherwise, I don't I don't know. I'm 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 a little bit wary of you know doing something that isn't necessarily part of my process. I guess as an artist. Mm. Well, you mentioned it's just a little side note, but you mentioned about micro budget. But <coughs> if someone looks at your films and sees some of the costumes that people are wearing, and some of the sets that you filmed in, it doesn't really look like it's micro budget at all. But that's just a comment I wanted to make. If we go oh. on then, because okay, oh, sorry, yeah, but I mean, actually, I I make a lot of the costumes. Um, yeah, and I get the locations. Um, people here in Bolivia are really great about that, um, especially the city and other institutions, museums, things like that. Um, all you need to do is like work out an exchange with them, and they give you that for free. I mean, we have cannons in Debit Dreaming. I mean, cannons. Talk about production values, right? And uh, I think I think that costs us like a few bags of cement uh, and some hot dogs and ice cream. <laughs> so yeah I mean it's like we're, we we get a lot for very little okay cool um, right we go on to uh, the last film we're going to talk about if I can ask you about uh, Dead But Dreaming sure um, it's well it's directed by Jack Avila I produced it um, and I act in it 
and it's a very untraditional vampire film and yet it's it's really and it's kind of goes into those hammer films from this from the 70s it it has that definitely that reference there um it it was really exciting to make that film because we kind of did a lot more uh than we did for other films we we shot um one of the scenes uh in this um pre-columbian labyrinth on the island of the sun um <laughs> it's you know just incredible locations um you know we shot inside museums we shot you know in, in colonial streets we and the all the costumes really interesting lots of blood and fangs and and makeup and i it was really really fantastic producing it it was fantastic acting in it and but yet you know my role is again kind of difficult <laughs> <laughs> right um Anything else to ask, Scott, before I get on to the, the big question? Well, no question, but I'm just going to say, Amy, uh, just listening to you and seeing your your work and hearing you talk about your work and the pictures and about how you take it as an art, not so much of a film, it explains everything about you of what I didn't know. If that sounds stupid, if you get what I mean. No, it definitely that's, that makes sense. You're a very different guest that we've ever ever had and I've been doing this for four years I've interviewed big time celebrities and I think you are one of the most interesting talented inspirational actor director producer that I've ever talked to and had on my show thank you very very much no, yeah, I, wa- I, wanted, I wanted to say that uh, don't worry anyone's feelings because I've had lots of people on but Amy you've been the best guest <laughs> we have had <laughs> Honestly, I mean that. Oh, I really gosh, do. thank you. I was, thank you I was very a bit much. Ner- I was a bit nervous about asking the questions because it was out to get my question across. You know, it yeah. made sense. But um, my last question, uh, before we go any further, you said that you're a fan of horror films. And can I ask you your favourite? Oh, my favourite horror film? Wow. Um... Let's see. Uh, I really, I, I like some kind of cheesy horror films, more like Warlock. It was like <laughs> one of the first films that I saw as a kid, and it just, it kind of, I mean, I go back to it time and time again. I know it's not like the best film ever. You're but... my girl. You're my girl. I'm, I'm a cheesy <laughs> lover. I love cheesy 80 films. I grew up in the exactly. 80s. Exactly. I love slasher films. Anything like that oh, God, I'm really yeah. into, you know? I love watching that stuff. <laughs> while watching it it was good because I'm hardly ever scared when watching a, a horror film so John's going to ask you again so if you if you pick one what is your favorite horror I think my my favorite might be actually I think I could definitely say that possession the the 81 that was yeah one? yeah uh-huh. good film yeah good pick cool yeah I, I think that that would probably be my my favorite. But I also really love a lot of like Hammer films, like Twins of Evil. Oh yeah, <laughs> stuff like oh, that. Definitely. It's really hard to pick a favorite. All right. Right. Is there uh, anything else you want to tell listeners about? Anything uh, upcoming projects or anything? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, there's probably going to be a Malfi Karam too. Jack and I have been talking about it, <laughs> and apparently. <laughs> 
he had this like crazy idea because he recently went location scouting in Potosi and Sucre. They're these two like colonial towns, and he saw all of these like convents. And so I think that we're going to make a Malefic Harm too, but it's going to be like more non-exploitation. Um, I think it'll be very cool. Uh, really about like the dynamic between nuns and it'll be excellent. Um, there's, there's also like a second Dead But Dreaming, doesn't have a title yet. Uh, and right now I'm shooting, uh, my fourth film was a director, Olalia. Uh, I also star in it. It's based on the Robert Louis Stevenson story. Uh, about a an incestuous family of genetic vampires, wow. and it's it's pretty. <laughs> we've shot we shot a bunch of uh, of the contemporary scenes uh, before I had to go to uh, Las Vegas for the Polygram Film Festival, and I just got back yesterday, and um, so we're continuing the shooting of of those scenes, and uh, we will. It's it's really great. I'm I'm really loving shooting this film. I'm very happy with how it's going coming so far. And uh, we're we have an Indiegogo campaign right now to raise funds for this other part of the film, which is set in the 1880s. And we need some dough because we want to shoot in this like really incredible hacienda, uh, which is it's like a plantation house, you know, like a out in uh, Potosi. And uh, it's going to cost a bit because we we want to have like 40, 50 extras and things like that. And basically, what it's for is is that whole sequence in that place. But it it culminates in this huge scene in which uh, Olalia, played by myself, is um, because she she does something that she's not supposed to. Um, she kind of loses control of the vampire, and uh, the villagers, are, you know, attack her and drag her out and. Um, they chain her to a cross and, and beat her and then burn her at the stake in front of her family. And it's it's just like a really... I want it to be like one of those epic, you know, unforgettable scenes. And so I'm, I really hope that people like go to the Indiegogo campaign and throw us some dough because it would be excellent. <laughs> yeah, send, send us a link to that and we've spread it around for you. Sure. Yeah. Helps. Great. Thank you. That that would definitely help. Hey, John, yeah. didn't you didn't you already do that? Oh, did I already do? That? <laughs> oh, maybe you already did that. I, I've, I've been, been traveling. I've been, so I didn't. That's how I knew. So, that's how I knew so, what she was talking about because I saw it on your on your Facebook. Oh right. I, I've been so busy today, Scott, and I just end up pressing something and. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm just trying to help. Um, do you want to give a a last shout out to your site where uh, people might be interested in looking what films you got on offer? Uh, yeah, um, the the site to go to is uh, vermeerworks.com, like the painter Vermeer. Um, and uh, you can find me on Facebook. Uh, all of the films have Facebook pages. And uh, you can also find us at Pachamama Films. But, you know, it might be better to find a link on one of the other sites. And you're also on it's Twitter, hard, too. It's a little hard to... Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Um, uh, Jack's on Twitter as well and uh, Facebook. And, uh, you know, we're hilarious, so you should just, like, check us out because we post, like, funny things all the time. <laughs> and sexy pictures, you know, like, hot, awesome pictures. So. <laughs> that will get people looking. That will get people looking. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Anything else, Scott? No, I'm just uh, glad that you came on and it was a great chat. Yeah, yeah this cool. is great. Thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate this, and it was wonderful. Great questions, like really seriously, great questions. Uh, 
Cool. I, I hope you come on again sometime in the future, maybe when uh, Malfi Carum 2 comes out. Yeah, excellent. Talk that would be fantastic. That. Yeah. Cool. So. That's great. All right, Amy, well, thanks for coming on. Like I said, uh, yes. you're one, you. of the most ins- one of the most inspirational, um, alt- multi-talented artists that I've ever spoken to. So thanks for coming on. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah it's been a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Take care of yourself. Okay. Yeah, you okay. too. We'll see ya. Okay, see ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.